Hey, this is a bonus track for episode 30 with Serena Myers. I'm your host, Barry Sherry, and this, of course, is Pink Noise. So this bonus track includes a backstory of Serena Myers and why she got into anger work in the first place. She shares more about the path of writing her book, Sacred Anger, and how she overcame her own fear and learned how to take care of herself. She shares why finding community is key, because we all need a safe place to land and reveal more of ourselves, to be witnessed for all of who we are. I hope you enjoy these extra outtakes. So sacred anger. Yes. What got you into exploring this relationship with anger? So anger was kind of a big part of my life. Um, I grew up in an area that was quite unsafe. So even when it wasn't expressed anger, there was still that anticipation of what could happen. Um, That my home was really volatile. The neighborhood we lived in was really volatile. So there was this always on sense in my, in my nervous system. And I moved away when I was 17 um, and I had a chip on my shoulder and I didn't even realize it because everyone I knew at that time was exactly the same. But when I removed myself and when I say I moved out, like I moved across the country (laughs) to BC in order to like start fresh. And I got exposure to people who didn't grow up the way that I did. And I was like, Whoa, something else is possible. Something else is different because when all we see is this one way of being, we just assume it's the same for everybody. And that was kind of the indication of like, okay, I'm different. And this really created a lot of otherness within me, which of course created more anger. Cause I always felt like I was on the outside. There was something wrong with me that I had this chip on my shoulder. When I moved into corporate, uh, my boss nicknamed me little ball of rage at one point because I was just so angry. And the people who meet me now are like, really? Like how, how was this your life? But I think it's like a big testament to the work that I've done um, because no one would expect that this is where I came from at all. So seeing that and realizing that something else was possible and then doing, you know, over a decade of deep inner work, um, I was able to kind of unravel my own anger story, which doesn't mean I've mastered it by any stretch of the imagination. I still get angry, but I'm able to see what it's here to teach. I'm able to often take a step backward. So I'm not reacting from that place. I'm able to be a little bit more removed, a little bit calmer, not always, but sometimes. And then it became this thing of how can I show other people how to do this? How can I share the things that I've learned from having this really volatile life to having a certain degree of peace in my everyday existence? And so that's kind of where the book came. Mm. Yeah. I love it. I keep realizing that these incredible individuals like you, who I have the privilege of meeting and talking to, that folks are showing up to share the gift, which is the medicine that they needed to heal. Yes. They talk about the breakdown to the breakthrough, right? Um, And I think it does take it another step forward to be able to share the medicine with other people because it's vulnerable. Like this last month has been, because my book came at the beginning of March, uh, this last month has been really exhausting, like almost on like a soul level where I'm just existentially tired. And it's because now these things that I shared a lot of it in my promotion. And just because I tend to be quite transparent anyway, but like all my dirty laundry is in this book because it's a combination of like self-help tools as well as personal anecdotes. So it's a little bit memoir as well. And 
that's just how I teach. I teach using story and illustration. And so it was easier to use my life than to like share things about my clients or anything along those lines. But it asks a lot of a person to say, Hey, this were, these were the hardest times of my life. This is how it helped me. And this is how it might be able to help you. So to, to do the work is one thing and that's really big, but to share it is, um, is something else entirely that I had no idea what I was signing up for when I wrote the book, to be honest. And so how did you, how did you take care of yourself in the, in the need to be so revealed, mm-hmm. to be so transparent and open um, I'm, I'm going to imagine that, that there's fear stories around judgment or criticism or all these things that so many of us grow up with, with fear around that, that keeps us, keeps us small, keeps us from sharing ourselves. Mm-hmm. How did you overcome that? So the fear part um, was more in the sabotage of writing the book. So, I mean, it's not a super long book. It's 200 and some odd pages, and it took me three years to write. So that inner battle showed up a lot in the writing and more so, I would say, in the last few months of uh, finishing it. That's really where it came down. Um, Once the book came out, I had the brilliant plan. I took the week off. I created all this space. I had my therapist on speed dial. Everything was ready to go. And then Amazon delayed the launch. So they like, it was the official publication date, but nobody had the book. So the time that I created to like incubate in this time, I didn't need. So I just sort of like hung out and was like, okay, well now what do I do? And then the week after that's when people started getting their books. And that's when some of that exposure started to come in. So I scaled back up to the um, up the self care. I did just the bare minimum in terms of client work. Um, again, lots of therapy. I had energy work done, more water than I think I've ever drunk in my life because I really believe in supporting like the vibrational system with water. Um, and then I have other like I have energy practices. I have a beautiful altar. I work with the full moon. Um, I do offerings with uh, with incense and I burn sage and so it's like lots of energy clearing, working with crystals, um, and just like space, a lot of space to be able to feel the things that came up. That was kind of the most essential part of my self-care. I'm just taking all that in. Yeah, it was a lot. And and (laughs) it sounds like I have, I could learn a lot from your self-care rituals. Like we could spend a whole episode talking about how you learned how to work with those healing modalities. You know, this was me having dark nights of the soul. This is me having a year breakdown with debilitating anxiety in 2013, 14. When you go through this kind of hardship, you learn a couple of things along the way so that when the time comes and it's something really big, like your whole story being revealed in a book, you've got an arsenal of things that you can lean on. And if one thing doesn't work, you can bring in another. Um, I think it's really important that we recognize also what we can do ourselves and when we need to ask for outside help. Because I know I can do a lot on my own, but I can go a lot further when I call my therapist, when I work with an energy healer, when I can just get that added, um, just added support. And asking for the support was a really big thing for me. So that's also medicine. So it's it's really beautiful, um, but it was a hard learning to build that arsenal in the first place. Yeah. I'm imagining you have to put your trust in other people. Mm -hmm. And and your energetic resources, your time, your attention, your money mm-hmm. in, um, in receiving the support. And yeah, you have to have the courage to ask for it in the first place. I find that 
there's so much pressure to support yourself individually, independently. And it's so much easier in community and connection with others. Absolutely. And I think that those stories and those beliefs that we have to do it alone um, is a big part of our collective wound. You talked about like the collective support that we had to have at the beginning of the episode. You know, that's, um, it's a story that has done us harm. It's created division um, and it's made us isolated in the times when we needed support and community the most. And we have to be willing to, first of all, believe that that's not true even though everything that we've received up to that point says that it is. And two is to find the communities and the people that can support us in our most vulnerable places that are a safe place to land because not everywhere is. Not everywhere that we think should be is. Like for me, I really thought that like my family, we family should be the place that is the safe place to land. And my chosen family is a lot more of that safe place for me. It's not that there's anything wrong with my family. We're just like incongruent in terms of our beliefs and and how we want to show up and engage in the world. So I can't show up as me in that space and be held, which is totally okay because I'm sure they probably feel the same with me. So we need to find those places that are safe for us because if we don't, then what we're doing is we're having the, the courage to open up and it is not safe to do so, which is going to close us up and close us up harder. So finding your people, I think, is a really important part of the journey. And you almost need to do that before you can do the other stuff, before you can fully open. I'm imagining there's people listening to this that have, you know, a wide range of relationships with their family of origin. And you just touched on something that feels really tender. Like, what do you do when you don't feel safe? And so individuals taking responsibility for themselves and creating what you call chosen family and how vitally important that is. Mm -hmm. And to know that that is okay and that that is enough. Um, You know, you said should earlier, and that is like the perfect word for this situation because it is this belief and we've been fed to it from like for through the generations, we've been fed to it, fed that story through the media and, through fairy tales and all these different things that like family is, you know, blood is thicker than water and family is the only thing that's important. And I'm not saying the family is not important. It's just, we sometimes need to be a little bit more generous with our definition of family because, you know, we've come together in this life. We've chosen these souls that we're going to journey with for a reason. And sometimes that reason is to learn hard lessons. Sometimes that reason is to help each other grow and that comes from some difficult places sometimes. And, you know, that's not a failing on anyone's part. It's how we've chosen to show up in this lifetime. But then what about those needs that aren't being met then in that space that you were expecting to meet them? And maybe your chosen family is one person. Maybe it's two or three friends that are really close. Like it doesn't have to be some kind of nuclear format. For the longest time for me, I just sat down and had conversations with what I refer to as like the divine mother, father. And I work with the energies of um, Green Tara and Lord Ganesh for my like divine masculine feminine energies. And that's for a long time, that was my soul family. And then that began to expand with circles of friends and then my beautiful wife and so on. But, you know, that took time to grow. And so we can't expect it to be immediate. We have to be discerning and we have to give ourselves the space to really know what we want and then to attract that in and the people that we meet as well. I love that you found some peace and solace in um, 
in your deities, mm-hmm. you know, and, and looking at which ones had the wisdom for you. And I love that you referred to them in the masculine and feminine energy as divine mother and divine father. I'm a recovering Catholic. So before this, I had the idea of that smiteful God <laughs> that I was really taught to fear that was supposed to be the divine father for me. And so it really took some time um, and a total loss of faith to then regain faith in this way. For some people I know who are maybe agnostic and they don't they don't attach to any deities, they know that there's something bigger, they might talk to the universe, they might talk to Mother Earth. Um, and really having that connection with the Earth can be a really beautiful way if that's something that resonates for you. I think that is the most important part that whatever you choose, it just has to be resonant. It doesn't have to follow any kind of doctrine, any kind of dogma. It doesn't have to be any kind of recipe for this is how you do it right. There's no such thing. It's how does it feel? Do you feel connected? Do you feel supported? If so, you're on the right track. As I listen to Serena talk, I take this as another reminder why I simply must maintain and nourish my deep roots here in Seattle with all of my beloveds in various circles, especially as I plan to move back to Canada next year to be closer to my aging parents. I love the community that I found here in Seattle where I can be fully self-expressed and I don't want to lose that. Well, that's it for our bonus track. Hope you enjoyed hearing more from us. Until next time, keep mining and shining that inner gold.